times what a wonderful privilege we have to go before the Lord and allow Him to cleanse our hearts. Because if our hearts condemn us, the Scripture said, God is greater than our heart and He knows everything. But if our hearts condemn us not, we have confidence toward God. Amen? Hallelujah. And that's called faith. That's what confidence toward God is. It's faith. It's trust. And when you have faith in God, God won't fail uh, your faith. In fact, according to our faith, so it's going to be unto us today. Well, I came here in faith. Praise God. And I'm expecting. I have a spirit of expectation because I came here with faith in God. Hallelujah. So I'm not going to ask how many are, are laboring or heavy laden. Uh, I I just I'm just not going to ask because I know the answer. <laughs> There's no point in asking. <laughs> well, I am going to say one thing. How many need grace sufficient right now? That's the confession we need. I need sufficient grace. I live by the life I now live. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. It's all wrapped up in grace. Faith is always wrapped up in grace. It is by grace through faith that we are saved. But grace is the foundation for all faith. It's got to be the foundation. It's the sufficiency of grace that's going to sustain you through your trials and through your testing. How many would love to make an exchange today, a holy exchange? Uh, the oil of joy. And the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Amen. It's God's promise, and it all begins with God moving in a circumstance and a situation that is humanly impossible. Amen. That requires the supernatural intervention of God. Beauty for ashes means that God doesn't need a building to work on, part of an old building about to fall down. Ashes means there's nothing left. My uncle uh, was captain uh, of the fire department. Uh, he be, he rose to the rank of captain in Middlesboro, Kentucky. If you go to the museum in Middlesboro, you will see his hat and his boots because he served as a, as a captain on the fire department in the town that I was born in in Kentucky uh, and retired from that, praise God, and went home full of years. And God blessed him. And he had a, a saying. Because they always went out to every fire call that there was. But a lot of times the fire was so advanced because if you're driving in the mountains and hills to get to a fire, it could take you a while. And they had a big old fire truck hard to drive. It was a La France. And that's one of the old, I mean, I said it, the steering wheel of it, it's just tough to even turn the wheel on that big bad boy. <laughs> and and he, said, he said, we had a saying around the fire department, we have never lost a foundation. In other words, the place may have borne to the ground, but we saved the foundation. We've never lost a foundation. Well, God doesn't need part of a building standing in order to restore and do a work in our life. He said, I will give you beauty for something that's totally destroyed, that is humanly impossible to rebuild. I will give you beauty for what? 
For what? You may think it's too far gone for God to address. You're very wrong about that. The things that are impossible with men... Say that loud. Say it again. The things that are impossible. Don't let the doctor have the last word. Do not let him have. He does not. If you don't let him have the last word, he don't have the last word. Who hath believed our report? Isaiah 53 said. And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? In other words, if you believe the report, you're going to see the manifestation of God's power and God's grace and God's strength. He reveals His arm. Praise God to those that believe the report. Hallelujah. Praise God. Whose report are you going to believe? Who's going to have the final say in your life? My Bible says, let God be true. And if anything conflicts with His truth, let every man become the liar. Don't let God be accused of being unfaithful. And at some point, we as Christians have to make a quality decision to trust the Lord and to take a stand upon His holy word. Because if we do not, we're going to keep giving place to the devil. And I'm going to tell you why that happens. Because we haven't spent enough time in the Word of God where faith comes from. Faith comes by trying to believe with all of our heart. No, faith comes by hearing. Faith comes by hearing. Faith comes by hearing. If you're a Martha here today, you need to slow down. You need to stop in your tracks and stop trying to fix everything for everybody. If I tried to fix everything for everybody, I'd be in a fix. Amen? I'd need fixing. Someone said one time, if you see a Bible that is worn and look like the pages are about to come out, and, and it's just, he said, if you see a Bible that's about wore out, you'll see a Christian that isn't. Amen? Faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the Word of God. And not just hearing the preaching and hearing the teaching, but reading the Scriptures. And not just reading the Scriptures, but actually speaking the Word out loud. Until your spirit begins to always choose what God has said over any feeling, any circumstance, anything anyone else says. I remember, and i got to tell you this before we pray and begin our service today, because it's falling in line with what God wants to achieve here today. After a men's breakfast one, one Saturday, a doctor had given me a bad report that would require follow-up and testing. And we were standing right there in the foyer, and I stopped, and I asked Brother Terry, the only two people left, because everybody rushes off to do what they need to do, but, but we were still here, the three of us. And Doug, Doug and Terry, mighty men of faith and power, anointed so highly with mantles on. No, they were just like you and me. Oh, by the way, so was Elijah. Elijah was a man. Anointed with such... Yeah, he had a mantle on him, but you got a mantle on you. The Holy Spirit is that mantle of anointing. Praise God in the New Testament sense. And I told them of what I needed to receive from the Lord. And they began to pray for me. And they prayed not with passion, but with compassion as well. 
And that's where the fervency comes in. It's not just praying. The, the effectual fervent. What makes prayer effectual is faith. Whatever you ask in prayer, believing, you what? You what? You're going to be disappointed, disillusioned. No, you shall receive. That's why you've got to get your focus on God's Word so God can give you the faith to believe. The effectual. What makes it effectual? Faith. Whatever you ask in prayer, believing, what happens? You, you shall receive when you pray. When you pray, believe. When you pray. Not after you pray and then you try to stand. No, it's while you're praying. It's something that happens in that holy moment. And when you're being prayed for, there's receiving faith. It's not trying to get God to do something. It's, it's receiving what He has provided in Christ for you and for me. And it's like the Holy Spirit spoke to me as they begin to pray. Now is the time for you to receive your healing. Right here, right now. As your two brothers and you are in agreement, if two of you on earth shall agree as touching anything they shall ask, it shall be granted them of my Father which is in heaven. And I thought, Lord, I thank you, I praise you, I honor you, I glorify you today. I receive my healing. And while I was saying in my spirit, I received my healing, Doug had heard a message here by some great preacher, <laughs> amen, that came with such power and anointing. Listen, it's the Word. The Word is the Word no matter who preaches it. It's not just the anointing on the preacher, it's the anointing on the Word. And, and we had talked about the Lord marking. You said it. You remembered it. Lord, mark us with miracles. We're Your people. When You do anything in our behalf, You, you mark us as Your people. You verify that we're Your people. We're not like others. We're unique. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. A peculiar people. Somebody in the audience said, I'll say y'all are peculiar. Can you say amen? Well, we are peculiar, but not in the weird sense. We're peculiar in that we are the redeemed. We're the ransomed ones. We're the blood-washed ones. We're the blood-bought ones. And let the redeemed say so. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Lord, mark us with miracles. And when Doug said, mark us with miracles, I just, in my, it's like my spirit just grabbed a hold of, of what I've been preaching myself because it's being reiterated. And I said, Lord, I receive it. If I trust you with my eternal destiny, my eternal soul, and the basis for that trust is what you have promised in your word and what your word declares that you have provided in Jesus Christ. If I can trust you with my eternal soul and its destiny, I can trust you with the days of my life, the length of my life, the health of my body, and I receive my healing right here and right now. Hallelujah. Well, Brother Venable, did you die? I know you're itching to know. I know you'd like to know if I made it through in spite of the report or whether I've had any symptoms whatsoever. In fact, the symptoms that I was having went away. Now, I don't know about you, but when I pray and the symptoms go away, I don't need further tests. I need to accept and receive 
what He has provided. Hallelujah. So receiving becomes the great issue of faith. It's not getting God to turn loose of something. It's receiving what He has provided. And I want to teach you how to do that today. Because there was a point, if I'd walked out of here waiting for God to do something, waiting for some other better time. There's no better time than when you're praying to receive, to believe and receive. Praise God. Hallelujah. Will you stand to your feet, Brother Taylor? Will you come? And I want to speak to the Marthas in the room. And you can be a man Martha. You can be a male Martha. When you get busy about so many things, even in the work of the Lord, doesn't matter what the busyness is, even if Jesus is at your house, and He sits down and starts talking like I'm talking right now to teach you, and you decide, i got to cook some supper. Not only is Jesus here, He brought an entourage. He brought His posse with Him. Can you say amen? There's 12, there's 12 men plus Jesus. That's 13 plus my family. Lord have mercy. Do I have enough neck bones and rice to feed all of them? Amen. 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 I mean, it's normal to think about all these things. So Martha runs out in the kitchen and she starts preparing the meal. Jesus is teaching and faith comes by what? Hearing. Hearing by what? The Word of God. He's teaching, but she's busy because somebody's got to do it. It's got to be done. i got to do it. And she's out there doing it. And Jesus is amazed that she's missing it, even though her intentions were good. Jesus said, Martha, Martha, by the way, Mary, Martha was upset with Mary. Mary ought to be out here helping me in the kitchen. She's sitting in there at the feet of Jesus, hanging on His every word. Amen? She ought to be out here doing something. She ought to be out here rattling them pots and pans today. She ought to be taking care of business. Don't she understand what we have to do here? And Jesus says, this is not Pastor Venable, this is Jesus. Martha, Martha, you're busy and troubled about so many things but mary hath chosen everybody say it's a choice it's a choice you're going to choose i'm going to choose this week whether to get too busy for the word or to get the word of god down in me so i can believe god for what he has provided and what i need so desperately from him mary hath chosen that good thing which shall not be taken from her Amen. How many know heaven and earth will pass away, but the Word of God abides forever. And it will abide forever in your heart in the same manner. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. And we need to confront the devil with the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, there's victory today in Jesus. We don't have to despair. We don't have to be defrauded by the devil of what is ours in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. But you've got to make the choice. And you've got to manage your time. And I have to manage it. And there's something called meditation, and I call it spiritual mastication. You know what mastication is? It's chewing. It's chewing until it's chewed up and digestible. 
and you chew it for a while. Did you know if how long it would take us to eat at Golden Corral if we chewed it as long as they say you need to chew it? What is it, 36 chews before you swallow anything, some nonsense like that, to get it ready for digestion? Meditation. Meditating on the, not that Eastern crazy stuff. No, this is not mystical Eastern religion stuff. This is meditating on the Word of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Focusing on God's Word until God's Word trumps. And I hate to use that term right here at politic time. <laughs> Amen. The trump card means my card's bigger than your card and it trumps your card. My hand trumps your hand. Amen. Well, that's before we got into the election. I saw something on my wife's Facebook page that, that said somebody had put and she just put it on and it, it, it said Jesus is coming soon. Down at the bottom it said hope, hopefully before the election. Can you say amen? But whether he does or whether he don't, he's still Lord to the glory of God. And when God's Word, the Bible said to let God's Word dwell in you richly. You need to be full of the Holy Spirit and filled with the Word of God. Let it dwell in you richly. Can you say amen? So that no matter what else happens or how you feel or what you see, God's Word trumps that circumstance. It trumps that report. It trumps everything and everyone because the things that are impossible with men are possible with God. But it doesn't stop there. Amen. The Bible said all things are possible to him that believeth. Praise God. It takes the limits off of our life and lets God fulfill His promise and His provisions. And God is glorified every time that occurs. It's a win-win. God wins because when He blesses us with an answer, He gets the glory. Oh, and we win because when He blesses us with an answer, we get the answer. Can you say amen? What did I just do by telling you about the answer? That was about three years ago, as I recall. Two and a half, three, four, maybe four years ago. I remember that. you remember that? It was years ago. Years ago. And here I am today doing what? Glorifying God. Because He answered prayer and He did it through everyday people just like you and just like me. Praise God. Hallelujah. Because if two of you on earth shall agree as touching anything that they shall ask, we know it has to be in the will of God. We understand that. But we understand the Word of God reveals so much of the will of God. Hallelujah. i got to say this and we're going to pray because it's hot off the griddle. It's something God wants you to get right here and right now. I was in Merritt Island preaching. And there were about eight, six to eight, I don't remember. There was a group of Catholic nuns in their habits. Is that how you call that? Habit? Habit? Habits? In their attire. The penguin attire. I don't mean that disrespectfully. They came to the meeting. And I was speaking. Another minister was speaking. We took turns each night speaking. 
was not my night to speak. And I saw them come in. And they didn't come in like we Pentecostals generally come to church unprepared to receive the Word. They came in hungry. They had heard the Word in Latin. They'd heard phrases in in Latin and, and went through a lot of ritual. But they hadn't heard the words of Christ spoken with authority from the Bible. And they came and every one of them had a Bible and a pad and a pencil. And I thought, boy, we're going to have church tonight because there's some hungry people in this audience. They came prepared to learn something, to go away with something they can apply to their own life. And I remember while preaching, glancing over to see how they were reacting. And they were, certain things would grab their attention and I'd see them writing it down. Taking notes. They wanted to make sure they got it. They didn't lose it. They didn't walk away from here and it just, you know, you know what we need today? Therefore, we need to give the more earnest heed to the things that we have heard. You're not going to hear anything today that you haven't heard before. I don't have a new revelation to give you because what God has given us in His Word works just fine. We don't need a new improved gospel. We need to believe and receive the gospel that has been given. Can you say amen? Because there's enough in it to provide for every need of your life and mine today. But Martha! Male or female? Martha! Martha! You need to stop! Your busyness. And receive the Word of God. Because everything you're doing is not going to mount to a hill of beans when all the trouble comes and the crisis comes and the need to receive from God comes. All of your busyness, Satan's going to use it against you because you've missed the Word. Doug encourages, if you miss a service... Go to the website so that we're on the same page. So that if you come down for prayer, the same faith that's in me to pray for you is in you to receive. Because it's not enough for me to have faith for you. They had faith for me. But I had to have faith to receive. So it's not getting God to give. It's getting to the place we can receive what He has provided in Christ for you and for me. Hallelujah. 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 Without it, we're going to be wandering in the wilderness. We're going to be ill-equipped to face the giants in our life. And giants just keep coming, don't they? Things that overwhelm you and me, they never quit coming. I can tell you, I've been in this thing all these years, and I think, okay, we'll have a reprieve now. That big giant just fell. I don't need to stay in the Word like I was when that giant came over the hill. I don't need to pray like I was praying when that giant came over the hill. And guess what? Another giant shows up. I do need to stay in the Word. I do need to stay focused. I do need my faith to be able to reach out and receive. Hallelujah. Not get God to do anything. Just receive what He's promised and what He has purposed. In my life. Are you intrigued by what the Holy Spirit is saying to the church today? Do you need any help in this area? I do. 
I do. I, my wife don't have a honeydew list. She just points out things. She, she, I don't, she don't hand me a list. We drive in. She says, that needs to be fixed, don't you? Yeah. Well, we need to do. And I'm not saying that in a bad way. It keeps, keeps our house where, it, you know, you can let it run down. You know, we need to get that done, don't we? We need this. And we need. Well, of course. And, and I do need to do it. And I thank her for pointing it out to me. I don't necessarily jump right on it. But, you know, I'll. I'll get around to it. <laughs> you know what I mean? She don't have me no list. She, it's, it's an ongoing list. Can I get an amen over in this corner? Them leaves up in that gutter. Got to get out of there. Got, that, boy, that looks like it's getting... We need to... That'll, we, we had little trees growing in our... Gutters. <laughs> I thought, yes, about time to clean them out, I reckon. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. But I'm going to tell you something. When all of that is, when I address those things in my family and I address any needs of, of the ministry and the organizational stuff, and, and i got to take time. That's why I get up in the morning. I go to God in prayer. And before I go to bed at night, I want something from God's Word. I want to get something in my spirit. I don't want to become a male Martha and get so busy about other things that the Word of God is neglected. My, my dad came to church for years to play his fiddle and worship God with it. But there's something he missed. And musicians get in danger sometimes. And choir members get in danger. And Sunday school teachers get in danger. Preachers get in danger. You know what the danger is? I'm so busy doing this and doing that that I'm not sitting at Jesus' feet and receiving that that will bring faith into my heart and in my life. And it took three years of me as a caregiver for my dad to begin to get him to even accept, sweet man, but to accept that he was saved. There wasn't enough of the Word down through all of those years. And he told me before he died, he said, Bobby... I have learned more about God and more about what it means to be saved in these last three years. And he's 93 when he passed away. In these last three years that I ever learned. And he was in church before I was born. But he didn't learn what he needed to learn. Because his focus was, he just loved to play music. He loved to play gospel music. He loved to worship with music. But when it came to getting, conquering fear and receiving from the Lord, that's where it all broke down because faith doesn't come by praising God. That can be an expression of your faith. The language of your faith is praise and worship. But faith doesn't come by praising God. Faith doesn't come by worshiping God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. How will I know when it comes? Because you won't just try to get God to do something. You'll receive what He's promised. Receive what He has provided. 
Jesus breathed on them, and I wish I'd have learned this. I tried so hard to get the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Amen. And he showed them how it was going to happen. He breathed on them and said, Receive ye. As many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. When you pray, whatsoever you ask, believe that you receive it, and you shall have it. Praise God. Hallelujah. How can I have faith like that, Brother Venable? Because you've got to get it like it comes to everybody else. Faith comes. By just going to church on Sunday and singing a few songs, no, faith comes by hearing. Not having heard even, but constantly hearing, rehearsing, reiterating. You're going to hear something you've heard and said, I heard that before, I know that. Well, you need to hear it again. And again, and again, and again, and again, and again, and again. As long as we're here waiting for Jesus to come, we need to hear the Word of God. Hallelujah. Praise God. God is so good today. I don't know. I've halfway preached the sermon. There's only the other half to come. Amen. We're glad that you're here today. We're going to pray for Armin today as well. As we enter this prayer, I want to use this opportunity to pray for our missionary. We want to alternate our giving between missionary and, and uh, uh, Brother Bobby Burnett over in Haiti who lives there, who moved away from the United States, lives day in and day out. Him and his wife, Sherry, you may have seen them, Channel 22. They uh, have been to our church many times in the past, and they are deserving of the help. They, they don't live high off the hog. They live just like everyday people, but they help people every single day can't help themselves. Father, we pray for Armin today in the name of Jesus and his family in Pakistan. Hide him in your pavilion. Give him Holy Ghost camouflage that the enemy that wants to hurt him, Lord, won't be able to. Jesus, you passed through a crowd that wanted to harm you and you passed through them and they didn't recognize you as you passed through. Father, you can give us that kind of covering, that kind of shelter, that kind of angelic help. And Father, I pray for Armin and his family and his ministry in Pakistan, Lord, that you will surround him as we stand in the gap for him. We make up a hedge in his behalf. Hallelujah. Thank you for that kind of authority and that kind of privilege and power to pray here today. I pray for him every single day of my life, twice a day. I call his name before you and I want to continue to do it, Father, in the name of Jesus and everyone that believes that God is going to bless him and keep him like he's already doing, said, Amen, amen and amen. amen. Brother T. Amen. Give God a good hand clap. Thank God for the word that we've heard already. Amen. Amen. God is faithful. Everybody the world, stand to your feet as we get ready to talk to the Lord in prayer. God is good. I thank God. Father, we thank you again. Thank you for our pastor, Lord, a man that, that loves you, a man that that's pouring out his heart, Lord God. Oh, God, bring in the word of God. Help us. Don't let us be forgetful here, Lord. Help us, Lord God, to hear your word and accept it and, and receive it into our hearts and be obedient to it, Father. Thank you for victory, Lord. Lord, we pray for, 
for presidents, Lord God, and, and for kings and all in authority this morning, Lord God. Help him, God. We pray for our president, Lord God, and just have your way. Save him, Lord. Move in the White House. Just save senators and governors. Lord, we need save people. And Lord, save them. Lord, fill them with the Holy Ghost, God. Oh, God, we thank you for the victory. We thank you for the peace of God. Lord, you've given us peace in the midst of all the confusion, Lord. But help us to take heed to what, what you're saying through our pastor, Lord God. To, oh, God, to take the word of God, Lord God, and obey and mix it with faith. And to do your will. Move by thy spirit today, Lord God. Help us to follow you closely to obey your voice. Use us. Get the glory out of our lives, God. Stir our hearts and our minds to, to be obedient to you, Lord God. To keep our minds stayed upon you, Lord. That, oh God, we won't be forgetful here, Lord God. But we'll be doers of your word, Lord God. Thank you for the word of God, Lord. Thank you for your peace, Lord God. Meet every need this present, God. And thank you for victory. In Jesus' name, for the glory of God. Amen. Amen. Let me tell you, as we begin this message on receiving faith, it's one of the most important messages I could ever give you because everybody here has needs. We have a great need for Christ. We have a great Christ for our need. We have a great enemy in Satan. We have a great ally in Jesus Christ today. Can you say, man, I am distracted all the time and I can't help it. I wish no trouble would come to my life. There would be no problems and pressures within my family. I wish within the Christian family there would be love and forgiveness and we'd always be in harmony. Someone said, living with the saints above, won't that be glory? Living with the saints beneath. Now that's another story. Can you say man? How many has got family? Every time I say the word family, and most of my family is with the Lord, so I'm incriminating my immediate family. <laughs> my wife and I, like the two Quakers sitting on the front porch uh, in their rocking chairs. <laughs> and he looks over at his wife of 50 years and says, Marty, the whole world has gone crazy except me and thee. And sometimes, Marty, I wonder about thee. Can you say amen? Every time that I hear the word family, in my family's case, I think of another family, and it's not the Venable family. How many know what family it is? The Adams family. I think of that song, it just comes to my mind. How many's got clickers today? Let's try it. You know what Jesus said about your family, your immediate family? You may have a boss that's crazy, but you can clock out. In fact, you can quit if you have to and can afford to. Amen? You can, you can go home and say, that rat, you shouldn't say that about your boss. You should pray for him. But, you know, you could think and not, well, you shouldn't even think it about him. But you can go home. And get away and distance yourself and say, you know something, I can't wait till my vacation. I can get out of here. I'm not going to think about that job or that person. But family is different. Family is different. Family, there's nowhere to run and there's nowhere to hide. And that's why Jesus said your enemies are going to be so close to you, you're going to have to find a victory in me because you can't get away from the pressures and the problems that they will create. And Satan many times will use people close to you. Your enemies shall be they of your own household. I wish that stopped with our blood family. 
but it transfers over into the household of faith as well. The Bible said, as much as lieth within you, do good to all men, but give preference in this one area, but especially to the household of faith. If you see a stranger by the road broke down with a flat tire and no spare, it would be awfully nice as a Christian if you could trust that stranger enough to stop and try to help them. But if you see Mike by the road broke down and no spare, and you hang your head out the window while you're passing by and said, Bless you, brother. I'm praying for you. That don't fit. God said, as much as lieth you, then you do good to everybody, but especially those of the household of faith. Amen. So we all have problems that we can't run from. Problems we can't get away from. We can't just, just you know, go off into some pastoral scene in a, in a picture hanging on a wall and just sit on the front porch and, and, and just trust God in the sense of, of not facing the reality of the problems and pressures. We can't just stay in denial about the, the things that we face. And I don't know about you, but I, I'm glad we had our children when we were young. Thank God for youth. Children in your youth are wonderful. Children when you're older are tougher to handle. Amen? Have you ever been in a Walmart and heard a child that's just going absolutely ballistic? And now that when you were younger, you heard that sound all the time and you just blew it off. I mean, I've seen young mothers just blow it off. I saw a young mother in a Walmart line, and there's always a line at Walmart. There's 18 registers and two employees working them. But anyway, biggest corporation in the world can't hire any help because they're also one of the greediest. They're all greedy. But anyway, she's standing in line, and she's trying to write a check. She's trying to write a check, and she's got a kid that's just going crazy. He's about five years old, and he's ballistic. He's hyper, <laughs> you know. And she's just saying, Wait. and she's trying, and he's tugging, Mommy, 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 Mommy. And I saw her. She just, she was just took it all in stride. She's wearing a dress probably down below her knees, and she grabbed him by the back of the neck, and she put him between her legs and got him in a leg lock. And there he was, flailing his arms like this, and she calmly wrote out her check. <laughs> and I thought, I would have never thought of that. But it looked really weird to see that kid in a leg lock while his mama's writing a check. She just took it in stride. She's 30 years old, 25 years old. You take a lot in stride. You get up 50 and above. <laughs> you don't take it in stride. And, and, and children become teenagers. How many remember when you were a teenager? There was a streak in me called rebellion. It was in me. It's part of my DNA. There was a point where I didn't want nobody, no teacher, no parent, no policeman, nobody telling me what to do. I remember going and ministering in jail, in the jail system. And I told those guys in jail, I said, you know, the devil has got, has got you guys to buy into a lie. He's told you you're your own man. Nobody 
tells me what to do. And I saw those guys like sit up and flex. Like, yeah, we bad. We bad. I said, let me tell you something. Everybody tells me what to do. That stoplight tells me to stop. If I go, I'm going to get pulled and get a ticket. I don't pay my ticket, I'm going to be visiting you for real. Amen. (laughs) I won't be just coming here to minister. I said, somebody tells you because you bought into that lie of the devil and he struck that chord within us all, this rebellious spirit. You never really lose it. You just have to subdue it and grow up. (laughs) Yeah, mortify the deeds of the flesh because it's in us all. And there's a good that comes from growing away from parents because we could never become, you know, functioning adults if we were always mama's boys and mama's girls and you know what I'm saying. But the devil capitalizes on that and he turns it against us, gives us a heart that's not quick to obey and not sensitive to God. And I went through that stage and it was a bad stage to go through. It was tough on me. Because I got into problems and trouble that I that could have resulted in some real bad stuff, but for the grace of God. How many's got a past? How many remember when you were young? Amen. Really young. Some of us have to go way back, but I remember it well. And I had I had issues. I had issues because my mom and dad divorced when I was twelve, and it was an ugly divorce. And they said bad things about one another, and it tore me apart, and it broke my heart. And I developed this attitude, and I soon got my stepdad was dating my mother, and I put the I put the mojo on him i i thought he he's he dating my mama he'll do anything for me and i wanted a motorcycle i was 14 years old i had to have me a motorcycle i had me a jacket and no motorcycle (laughs) amen (laughs) and i needed the motorcycle mom i i had one of those plastic leather look jackets with zippers all over it zipped down the sleeve and i i had the jeans i had the jacket i didn't have no motorcycle and i remember telling my stepdad he he, i said i said howard howard if i had a motorcycle you wouldn't have to take me to school when they kick me off the bus amen just think of the gas you would save. <laughs> Amen. I really laid it on him. And Howard said, he said, come on, go with me. Because he's dating my mama. I thought, I'm going to get him now, boy. <laughs> I can put it on him. And we went down to a motorcycle shop, and there was a 1955 BSA motorcycle. And I looked at that thing, and the old paint was faded, and I saw that thing, and I said, Lord, if I had that motorcycle, can you imagine junior high with a motorcycle? I, come on, I'd be the king of the world, top of the world. Everybody look at me, get out of the... I had taps on my shoes. I had taps. I couldn't tap dance. Don't get me wrong, I didn't have the rhythm. Can you say, man, I couldn't tap dance. But I had those horseshoe taps on my heels. So when, you, when I got in junior high... And you walk down the hall, click, 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 click. Oh, by the way, I had a pair of black shoes, and it was real hard to polish the white part because down in the side of the black shoe, there was a white lightning, three-point lightning. Oh, you talk about cool. <laughs> black leather jacket, them shoes with the white lightning strike down the side. Amen. And the taps on. So you walk down the hall and people hear you coming. 
they, they look out to see who it is. And it's me. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. And then I got my motorcycle. I could ride up in my motorcycle simulated leather. I could walk with my attitude, my false attitude. It was so convincing, my rebellious attitude, that the dean of girls called my wife in who I was dating. And this is when I got 16 and we were about to, you know, get married. For real, get get real. Don't ever do that. How old are you now? 18. Hang in there. Try to hang in there as long as you can. Amen. Do as I say, not as I do. Amen. Amen. And she called my wife in. She said, Pamela, I understand that you're going steady with Robert Venable. She said, yes, I am. She said, well, you know that he's headed for trouble. And I was. She was right. You know that he's headed for trouble. He's, he's going to be either, either in jail or he's going to be hurt or killed. He's, he's just, he just, in other words, she was saying we can't, he's irreconcilable. There, he, he's just, there's something in him. There's some, it wasn't a mean streak. It's just rebellion. It's just pure out and out rebellion. Remember the song, he's a rebel, he'll never be any good. He's a rebel because he never does what he should. Amen. But Pamela finished the song. The next lyric said, but, but how's it go, Pamela? Amen. But even though he doesn't do what everybody else does, yet I will give him all my love. And Pamela saw through my veneer. She thought, thought, saw through the facade. And she saw that broken-hearted, scared little guy. And the best way for me to deal with my fear and my brokenness was to project an image of strength and power. Amen. I'm a, I, I don't want to have a confrontation, so I want you to believe that I can whoop you so you won't even try me. Amen. I had that persona that I was giving out. When I got married, I remember my wife telling me she was coming down Parsons. I was working for Tampa Electric. We were, oh, no, I was working for Winn-Dixie Warehouse. Anyway, she's coming down Parsons from Brandon back towards Sefner Mango. And she picked up three girls that had missed the bus, teenage girls. And she asked them, she told them and that everything's okay. And she took them where they were going and said, who's your principal at your school? And it was the dean of girls that had now become a principal that had told her to stay away from me. And my wife told them, listen, tell your principal for me that I married Robert Venable. <laughs> and that now he's a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ and a Christian. Just to see, God turns Sal's ears into silk purses all the time because the things that are impossible, they couldn't conform me and they couldn't reform me. But when God came into my life, it all changed. Can, he said, I'll take away that heart of stone. I hardened my heart 
during the bitterness of that divorce, I got mad at my mama, I got mad at my daddy, and I got mad at the world. And that hurt in my heart turned to anger and to bitterness. And when God gave me that new heart, that tender heart, that forgiving heart, everything changed in my life. And, and uh, I know we're going to talk about some receiving today, but let's talk about it just a little bit. I want you to know that your flesh and mine, intrinsic to it, there's always a resistance to simple obedience. The more my faith develops, as I go on, the more childlike it becomes. You, you, I don't think you heard me. The more my faith develops the more childlike it becomes. It's not complicated. It becomes simplified. One minister, in order to illustrate this, called about 10, 8 to, 10, eight to 12-year-old kids up on the platform and had a gift for each and every one of them. Had a gift to give them. It wasn't Christmas or anything to illustrate a sermon. And they all came up on the platform, and this minister gave each one of them a gift. And they received it gladly. They were grateful for it. Some of them even said, I love you, and hugged the minister. Good response to a gift. And she, or he said, not one of them said, I'm not worthy. I've been bad this week. I don't deserve that gift. My attitude hasn't been right. I didn't earn that gift. No, they received it. Everybody say received it. Did you know the devil wants to disqualify you and me from what God has already provided, purposed, and promised in Christ for us? Amen. This is not license to sin. This is saying if any man sin, we've got an advocate with the Father. And if we confess our sin, He's faithful and just to forgive our sin and cleanse us. Why? So that we can come to Him by faith and receive His provision. Let me tell you what Smith Wigglesworth said. How many has ever heard of Smith Wigglesworth? He said, fear looks, faith jumps. Faith never fails to obtain, obtain its object. If I leave you as I found you, I'm not God's channel. I'm not here to entertain you, but to get you to the place where you can laugh at the impossible. Wow. If I leave you like I found you, I'm not God's channel. That's why every time I preach, there's always going to be a challenge to me and to you from God's Word. If I leave you like I found you. We used to have a saying, you won't leave here like you came in Jesus' name. If you come with a good ground heart and you receive the Word of God and you receive it into good ground, the Word itself is going to work within you. It shall bring forth fruit. Some 30. There's no zero here. There's no little bit of change coming. Some 30-fold. I don't know what's in your bank account. It may be a dollar. But if it's 30, you got 30. Can you say amen? Some 60. This is the potential 
of a good ground heart receiving God's Word. And some 100 fold. Can you say amen? But it always challenges and changes. And that's why we can say by the authority of God's Word, if you have a receptive heart today, a good ground heart, God's Word is going to bring fruit into your life. And one of the great fruit of God's Word or product of God's Word and God's work within you by His Spirit with His Word, amen, is faith. Faith is going to come. D.L. Moody said, I, and he, he was a man of great faith, but he said, I felt like my faith never was at the level that it needed to be for the challenges and the responsibilities that my calling had given me. And he said, I, I prayed and sought God and I fasted and I sought God and I sought God and I prayed for more faith. And one day I was reading in the scripture, isn't it amazing that a man of the word as D.L. Moody was, was reading in the Scripture and suddenly something jumped out at him. That's it, Willie. You did it just right. Something jumps out. Something gets in your spirit. Something is like 3D to you. Something comes right off the page and right into your heart. He probably read it before, but this time it was Rhema. It wasn't Logos. It wasn't the Holy Word on the, pra- on the page alone. It was the anointed Word now getting into his heart. He said, one day I was reading Faith Comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. He said, I begin to read my Bible anew and afresh, not to just get a sermon to preach, but for my own soul's sake. And he said, my faith has been growing ever since. Can you say man? Hallelujah. Faith doesn't come by you praying for it. Faith comes the way that God has designed that it come. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Now, when I went through nervous exhaustion, it felt like heaven was brass. My emotions were so racked. It felt like God was so distant. I knew what the Bible said, but it just, I was in this emotional state. And I remember at the old Holy Church of God, I remember, I remember preaching under the anointing when I felt so dizzy because I'd been up all night. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't eat. I'll be very forthright. Food went right through me. My, my stomach was so upset all the time that I would eat and food would go right through me. I got down to 153 pounds without trying at one point. We tried at first, but then it got to where it kind of bothered me that I was eating and, and food was going right through me. And it was semi-digested. It didn't digest in my stomach. It just went through me. I slept on three pillows by myself at night so I wouldn't keep Pamela up. I had three pillows so I could breathe because my breath would cut off. I remember going into the garage before our son came to live with us and I got down on my hands and knees with a freedom phone. I didn't have cells in those days. and I put it beside me and I was on my hands and knees praying for breath to come. My breath would cut off because of anxiety. Anxiety attacks would come in the middle of the night. I slept with... the overhead light on and a lamp on because when the and and I could feel it coming I could feel that foreboding that fear coming when the sun started going down I could feel it coming and I'd resist it with everything within me but it came on me anyway because I went through mental physical 
and nervous exhaustion. And yet when the anointing came, when the anointing, I'll tell you the anointing is a marvelous thing. But I do not take it for granted. I know full well that I'm just as weak as the weakest of the weak. You know what Paul said? Because people looked at him as some great one. Thirteen of the twenty-seven books of the New Testament he wrote. You know what he said? He said, not that we are sufficient as of anything of ourself. Our sufficiency is of the Lord. Amen. You know what Paul Gangi Cho said when I heard him speak in Winter Haven? He pastors the largest church in the world that, that I know of. Because 50,000 people attend every Sunday. Even in the dead of winter, there's 50,000 outside waiting to go inside in Seoul, Korea. And he said, I was dying with tuberculosis. And an American missionary came to me and shared the gospel of Christ with me and asked, can I pray for you? And laid hands on me and God healed me of tuberculosis and then called me into ministry and anointed me with the Holy Spirit. And he said, Every, he said it doesn't matter who comes. And that church is called the People's Church in South Korea in Seoul. He said it doesn't matter who comes. One time, he said a preacher came was, that was world-renowned and said there are three chairs on my platform. There's a chair for the pastor. There's a chair for the guest. And there's an empty chair that nobody gets to sit in. And he said, I was asked, how did this thing grow to 50,000 people? What, what was the key to it all? He said, listen, if God takes His anointing from me, He said, my only qualification, the only thing I know how to do, is to go out in a garden and hoe in a garden. He said, I am here because God appointed me. I am here because God anointed me. And He said, without the Holy Spirit, without the Holy Spirit, I can't do anything. And he said, I stand waiting for the singing to stop and to walk to the pulpit. And there's an empty chair. And he told that evangelist, he said, that chair is for Holy Spirit. Not that he sits in a chair, but he said to remind myself. He said, no matter how many people come, how many allocates, how many applause, you know, he said, it's the Holy Spirit that's going to get the credit. God's going to get the glory. Because if He takes His Spirit from me, I'm, I can't do anything. Hallelujah. Thank God for that kind of dependence on God and on the Holy Spirit and not on a reputation and some kind of self-promotion. Hallelujah. Listen to me carefully. This is what we need today. We need to understand God loves us enough to hear our cry. To answer by and by. I like that old hymn of the faith. When you feel a little prayer wheel churning, you'll know a little fire is burning and just a little talk with Jesus makes it right. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God for it. Praise God for it. If we had receiving faith, if we had receiving faith, you have to recognize 
As troubles and trials and tests come into your life, you have to recognize there's a God who sits high and looks low and has all power in His hand. And if you want to communicate with the divine, you must do it by faith. You see, the Bible said in Hebrews 11, they that come to God, the two imperatives, two imperatives, they that come to God must believe that He is. I have no problem with that. How many don't have a problem believing God? How many have ever... Listen, sometimes Christians doubt the existence of God when they have these feelings that overwhelm them. You've got to go back to the Bible and say, the heavens declare His handiwork. Go back to something beyond what you're feeling, what you're sensing. Since knowledge can never, t- it tells you everything about this old fallen world and the temporary world and your temporal body. Five senses, sight, smell, taste, hearing, and feeling. They tell you everything about the physical world. They tell you nothing about God. God is a spirit. They tell you nothing about God. They can't give you any information. So if you're... And oh, by the way, when God manifests Himself, some of your five senses will pick it up. There have been people heard God speak audibly. He spoke to Moses audibly. But He still required, when there was no voice in His ear, that He believed God in His heart. He will always keep faith separate from sense knowledge. I have felt the presence of God, got goose pimples on my goose pimples. I know what, but listen, when you are in a crisis, chances are you will not feel goose pimples from God. You will need to just believe Him. Because you know He's faithful. You know His Word is true. And it supersedes sense knowledge. We do not look at the things which are seen... That's something sense knowledge can perceive. For they're temporary. You're temporary. I hate to break this to you, but you're in a temporary body. You know what Paul, Paul called every one of our physical bodies, even as Christians? If this tabernacle, I think of tabernacle, I think of some big edifice, some huge church, some architectural beautiful thing. But the actual Greek word was tent. And it an appropriate call was what by trade? A tent maker by trade. And he said, if this body, this tent, everybody say temporary dwelling place. Believe me, this body until Christ comes is temporary. Your mama was relatively young when her body gave out due to cancer. But she came to Christ. I was privileged to be there and witness it and be part of the process of bringing her. Her mom and daddy sowed all that seed in her, but it really gave fruit when she was getting ready. She was relatively young, and she certainly was active. She, had a, she was an active. She wasn't just, you know, sedentary. She loved life. But she knew it was time. This is a tent. That's all this is, a temporal body. I'm not here for eternity, but I know where eternity is, and I know how to get there. And she prayed the sinner's prayer with me. 
And something occurred. She came to Christ and Christ came to her. And it all changed. It all changed. She had heaven from that point on her mind. And she quit trying to stay here. She quit trying to stay here. Because she knew where she was going. And she knew that she knew that she knew. And she was able to receive what God had provided. If this tent were blown down by a mighty wind, this tabernacle, we have one in the heavens not made with hands. Wherefore we yearn not to be naked, not to be a spirit without a body, but to be clothed upon with that one that God has waiting for us in the heavens. Hallelujah. Until this one is raised from the dead, that one is waiting for us. That kind of kills soul sleep for me. If we're going to stay asleep until we wake up at the resurrection, we don't need that body waiting in heaven that Paul was talking about. But if we're absent from the body means to be present with the Lord, then we need a body just like angels have a celestial body. And and when, when my my daddy moved out of this body, he moved into that body. Hallelujah. When your mama moved out of this body, she moved into that body. Can you say amen? I'm not trying to stay here forever. Amen. Because I know that's impossible. But I know where I'm going when I die. And I know where I'm going to live forever. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. When your faith gets in God and God's God's grace provides for you there's something so powerful that occurs we come to the place that we don't believe just that he is we believe the second imperative of faith in hebrews 11 that he is a rewarder he is a responder you say brother bimble i prayed nothing happened no something has happened it wasn't on god's end god's faithfulness did not break down The devil wants you accusing God and questioning God. God wants you to believe Him. You know where it broke down? On the receiving end. The receiving end. The receiving end. As many as what? Received Him. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man receive, open the door. I'll come in. But I can't come in without an invitation. Can you say, man? I'll knock and ask you to open the door, but only you can open it. And when we understand, we have the door that has to be open to receive Him as our Savior and to receive anything else that He's promised and provided. Amen? You still have to open the door. Amen? Paul was preaching in Acts chapter 14. Listen to it carefully. Acts 14, it said he went down to Lystra and there he preached the gospel. Where does faith come from? Hearing. Hearing by what? The Word of God. And he saw a man sitting there that was lame from his mother's womb and had never walked. Who steadfastly beholding him He didn't just get up and and announce a healing line. He found somebody that could receive it. See, if everybody in line can't receive it, we can pray all day and after a while people are going to lose faith that God is faithful. But if you get in the Word of God, and you've got to do that, honey. 
And I got to do that. And my wife has to do that. And it gets personal. Because if you don't have any faith, there's no shield. And if there's no shield in your armor, Satan isn't going to say this would not be fair. Come on, minions. Come on, cohorts in hell. This wouldn't be fair. They have no shield. If I shoot at them without a shield, it wouldn't be fair. He don't care. The thief came to do one thing. First, before he can kill and destroy, he's got to steal. He's got to defraud you out of something that belongs to you. The thief came but for to steal. He can't kill and destroy if he can't defraud you of what is yours in Christ. He's got to take something in order to hurt you and harm you. And you can't let him steal from you. For if the good man of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he wouldn't have went to sleep. He wouldn't have slumbered. He would have stayed awake and been on guard. Hallelujah. Amen. Oh, if you tell me that you're coming to rob me, there's going to be a big problem. you got a pit bull, don't need one. You ain't going to come in my house and take my stuff. Would you kill somebody over a microwave? No. Would you let them harm your wife or your son? Absolutely not. Somebody's going down. Somebody's going down. You want a scripture for that? If a man provide not for his own, he's denied the faith and worse than an infidel. I provide more than pork and beans. Can you say amen? Amen. I provide protection. Come on, mama. Amen. Somebody jump on your daughter. They're going to have to whoop you. And he said it ain't going to be easy. Amen. And I was over at their house to eat one day and Josh, big old Josh, big old Josh. What is he, a bouncer now or something? You know, yeah, he's a security. We'll call him security. And big old Josh, he come up and he looked around the room. And he come over and he said, do you know who the toughest woman in this room is? <laughs> and I, I looked at my wife and then he straightened me out. Can you say amen? <laughs> Just kidding, Sister V. Anyway. <laughs> you know what he said? <laughs> Josh pointed at, you know, at his mama. And he said, that woman right there. I don't know what you're just jumped on him about but he got it can you say man he got it it went home with him hallelujah if the good man of the house had known if we see we perish for a lack of knowledge we don't understand the operation of faith there's two imperatives they that come to God, we come to God because we need salvation. We come to God because we need help. We come to God because we need deliverance. We come to God because we need peace. We come to receive. Not to get Him to give. Faith doesn't twist God's arm. It doesn't wait to see what He's going to do. Faith doesn't just believe that He can Faith believes that He will. And in a personal way, He'll do it for you. There are people that come here for prayer because they know God healed me of cancer. They came one time to one service for prayer. And to the, my own heartbreak, 
They never came back again because we certainly don't have the facility that would be prestigious enough for people to show up at. We don't have the programs. We don't have the building. We don't have the prestige. But we have a message and a messenger that's walked these things out with God. Hallelujah. That's more than just a preacher. I'm an example to the flock. I've lived through these crises for all of these years and God has brought me and my family through them. And our marriage has lasted. It's not over. We defend it to this day. But it's outlasted the pressures of ministry. It's outlasted the attacks of the enemy. It's outlasted our own weaknesses, our own times of inability. Listen, the devil's tried to drive a wedge between us our whole life. And he'll drive it to this day if he could. But he can't do it if both of us keep our faith in God. Can you say amen? There is victory in Jesus. And we want to represent that victory. We had a lady leave our church. She said, you know the reason I left? I said, no, what? Because she really said, I love you all. And I know God's hand is on you. And I know the Word of God is rich there. She said, I left because... I, was, I had a failed marriage. I've been in some failed relationships. And every time I saw you and your wife being loving and staying so close together, it just made me feel so bad about myself. And I said, you're not supposed to do that. You're supposed to take courage when you see somebody in victory. You're supposed to say, God has no respect for persons. I can find a relationship that God can bring together. I can have a successful marriage. I can have a victorious life. I don't have to be part of the statistics. I can win this thing. Because somebody else won it. It's not because we're special. It's because God is gracious. And God is good. And God is faithful. And we believe that He is. And. And. Faith is not done. Be- Listen. The Bible said thou believest. There is one God. The devils have that kind of faith. They know it's true. They know it better than any one of us knows it. Thou believest there is one God. The devils believe that. And they tremble. That word tremble means for, to have... Oh, what a, what a word. It means to have the hair stand up on end and the skin to crawl. I'm going to tell you, the devil is afraid of the person that loved and gave his son for you. Can you say, man, he better back off. He better back off because God is your defender. David said, he's my shield. and He's my glory and he's what I need in my human experience down here. He's the lifter of my head. Can you say, man, what time my heart is overwhelmed within me? He said to God, He directed it to God, lead me to that rock that is higher than I, Lord. For the, you have been a refuge for me. And you've been a shelter for me from my enemies and from harm. Where faith breaks down is not God's omnipotence. It's not His power. Where faith breaks down, consistently breaks down, is not God's know-how. His ability to know how to deliver you. It may be a backlash of troubles and tests and a quagmire. God can bring beauty for ashes. The oil of joy for mourning. The garment of praise. For the spirit of heaviness. That we might be a representation of His grace. Of His, of His faithfulness. That we might be called. Called. 
the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. When he was able to keep his promises to Israel, bless them, defend them, heal them, and help them. Amen. Israel became as a nation representing the faithfulness of a covenant-keeping God to the nations of the world. Can you say amen? Listen, I want it for me. Because I don't like living in defeat and I don't want to die before my time. And I want to live a life that represents everything that I'm preaching. Can you say, man? I, I don't see the Bible said the devils believe in tr- tremble. Faith without works, oh vain man. But know this, faith without works. The devil can't get saved. He's not saved, but you can get saved. You can use your faith. Amen. But faith is incomplete just believing that he exists. The second part of faith is that he will respond. And that's the receiving end of it. That's when we're not trying to get God to do it. We're receiving what He has provided. And when you get into the past tense provisions of God, say that with me, the past tense. First Peter 2.24, Who His own self bear of sins in His own body, with whose stripes you can be healed, you may be healed, you might be healed. No, with whose stripes you, everybody say past tense. You were healed. So it's not something we have to persuade God to grant, to get God to turn loose. It's something God has provided and we come to receive. And all of it begins with grace. We don't have a high priest that can't be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. Amen. But was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly, confidently, full of courage, knowing that He were accepted in the Beloved. God is not going to back away from us. He's going to welcome us into His presence. Hallelujah. Let us, let us come boldly before the throne of grace that we might obtain mercy and grace to help in the time of any need. You know what was amazing to me? There were people sick and couldn't get healed. That were some of the most sweet people. They, they lived godly lives. But they didn't understand that it's by grace through faith. It's always that way. It never changes. The formula for salvation is the same formula by, for healing. It's by grace you can't, you can't earn healing any more than you can earn heaven. But if you can receive heaven, you can receive healing. You can't earn His help any more than you can earn heaven. But you can receive His help if you come the way He said to come to Him. They that come to God. Amazing. Back in the old church in Suffering Springs, the, the, this lady came because she heard a tape. Her brother heard a tape, played it for his sister in Nova Scotia. And she's visiting family in Tampa. And she comes down and she's got an ailment. She's of a 30-year-old woman. She's got an ailment. She doesn't know Christ as her Savior. And she wants to be filled, come to Christ and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Not only were there were sick people in the audience that couldn't seem to receive their healing. Not, 
So if you don't receive it, then it must be not God's will. You've got to get back in the Word. That's when you've got to get back in the Word. If we interpret our experiences as what's His will and what is not, instead of what the Word of God said, we're believing the report of our feelings and our sense knowledge and somebody else. And we've got to get away from that church. They that come to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. In other words, we've got to do more than request. We've got to come knowing that He is granting it and we've got to receive it by faith. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, violating all the things we think necessary to receive, this woman who hadn't been deprogrammed, somebody got cancer and somebody in this audience said, well, they've been out of church. In other words, they can't expect to be healed. Well, God did heal. And the person who said that's not in church and can't get healed. When you get away from grace, when you move from grace, when you move from the throne of grace and you make it a throne of merit, no wonder we can't receive because we're always, always going to come short of sinless perfection, whether it be commission, omission, action, or attitude. I'm not preaching a cover-up for sin. I am saying, amen, that we can't receive if we're condemned in our heart. We can't receive if the devil is pointing out something wrong and we're just drawing our head in like an old turtle. We have to understand, amen, that you are saved by grace through faith, it is the gift of God. On that platform, as I try to close, are you intrigued by this? Do you want to get to the place that we can trip trying to get God to do something and getting disappointed and defrauded by the devil from what is ours in Christ? Where the promises of God are not something that disappoint us, but they become yea and amen in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. When your husband said, I'm walking in my healing, he was receiving his healing. I didn't even pray with him in, in some long prayer to be healed because he was ready to receive it. Didn't take a lot of coaxing. <sighs> receive ye the Holy Ghost. I tried to get the Holy Ghost so long. I never got the Holy Ghost until I could receive the Holy Ghost. Because I thought you had to be so perfectly pure. And, and I, 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 I wasn't doing anything I knew was wrong. But I knew compared to Jesus, I'm way down the line. At least I didn't have pride to deal with. Can you say amen? But I'd go to the altar. And you know what they would tell me? Search your life. Well, we need to do that from time to time. Search your life. Holy Ghost won't dwell in an unclean vessel. So I assume since I didn't receive the Holy Ghost, that I, something was unclean in my vessel. And man, I, I had Beatles records. I had a stack of Beatles records. I had them all. I got rid of my Beatles records. I got rid of my old books. I got rid of stuff that probably should have got rid of because it just, you know, I didn't need to spend time in that. But I just began to try to get rid of things. Qualify. I'm going to be highly qualified. 
to receive the Holy Ghost. But there was always something, something reminding me. Oh, you passed a guy on a telephone pole just now. Or a light pole. Tampa Electric, he's up there working. You need to stop and witness to him right now. And I, I, I'd slow down and think, oh, there's traffic behind me and I'm timid. Amen. And I'd drive on and I'd feel convicted, condemned. If he gets electrocuted today, God's going to hold me accountable. Amen. For his eternal... I'm serious. The devil will lay it on you, double layer it on you. I didn't know nothing much about grace. We went to church. You had to wear your hair a certain way. My mama finally got her in church. And, and, and the pastor came back with a, he came out there with a bright red necktie. I mean, it was almost fluorescent. You couldn't miss it. He came back and he came back to my mama. We were sitting there. He leaned over with that big old necktie waving at her, you know, and he told her, said, Jean, Jean, cause she had on bright red lipstick. And he said, Jean, you need to get rid of that lipstick. That's the one thing I see in you that needs correct. I mean, Preachers used to come back and get real nitty-gritty with you. Amen. <laughs> and she grabbed hold of that red necktie. My mama, she wasn't saved. Can you say amen? <laughs> she, she, she grabbed hold of that necktie and started yanking on it and said, I'll get rid of my lipstick when you get rid of that red necktie. It's easy to see the faults in somebody else. I'm going to tell you, I preach holiness and righteousness. But I'm going to tell you, everything's enveloped in grace. You begin to move away from grace, you're going to be in trouble in your faith because you can't receive. If our hearts condemn us, if our hearts condemn us, if our hearts condemn us, if our hearts... Con- you know, in our churches, in our circle, and i got to hurry, I'm way over time. But in our circle, the greatest thing could happen, an evangelist preach everybody in into the altar everybody into the altar if laying on your face and there's nothing wrong with getting right with God creating me a pure heart a clean heart is a good prayer for every Christian to pray but we can't live under condemnation we can't live feeling like unless I meet the, the, this sinless perfection standard I can never believe God for anything because they that come to him number one must believe that he is and the only way to approach this holy God is to come before not the throne of merit the throne of grace that we might obtain mercy and grace to help in the time of any need can you say man when you come to him by salvation it is by grace it is through faith it is the Gift of God. I didn't know the Holy Ghost was a gift. I thought I had to earn it. And I tried with all my heart. And God had to get me away from church people. Because they always tried to give it to me. I'm serious. It sounds like a cliche. It's happened to so many people. But on one side, somebody say, Turn loose, brother! Turn loose! Just turn loose! And I'm trying to turn loose. And one on the other side is saying, Hold on, brother! Hold on! Hold on! And then after it's all over, someone would look me eyeball to eyeball and said, The Holy Ghost won't dwell in an unclean vessel. And I thought, well, there I am. 
I didn't get it, so something's wrong. I got rid of my Beatles albums. I got rid of my books. And I'm looking around for something else to get rid of. To be qualified. And the very power to overcome some of those areas in my life was going to come when the Holy Spirit came in to give me the strength to overcome it. And I couldn't do it in my flesh, and you can't do it in your flesh. Hallelujah. Listen to me carefully. God got me all the way. He got me all the way to somewhere between Tampa and Miami. Somewhere down the Tamiami Trail at a motel with a truck I borrowed from my stepdad full of stuff to take to Jamaica. Taking a missionary in a car in front of us, a missionary is being taken to the airport in Miami. We're following a load of stuff going to be shipped to the mission home. We don't have no money to eat on. We barely had enough money, gas, to get down there and get back. I'm in a borrowed vehicle. We didn't bring no suitcase because we didn't know we were going to stay over. But it looked like rain. And we didn't have a cover for that stuff in that pickup truck. And the missionary stopped, pulled off side the road in their car. Lady came back to us, said, we're going to have to pray this rain. Don't rain on us. And I thought, boy, I prayed for a lot of things. I've never prayed for the weather. Amen. And she said, rain, don't you rain on this truck in the name of Jesus Christ. And I thought, boy, this is something else. Where'd she get that kind of faith? Amen. That old rain cloud threatened all the way, but it never rained on that truck. Hallelujah. All the way to the motel. We got, we got, we pulled into a gas station to get gas and we were wore out. We were tired. Amen. We, we, and, and we pulled into a gas station and a truck pulled in veterinary sign on the side of it and and he said where y'all going he knew the missionary said where y'all going where y'all going to stay tonight well i don't know we're going to have to drive on through and sleep in our vehicles until morning and get this stuff loaded and get it to jamaica he said no you're not sun going down y'all need some rest he took us to one of them little roadside motels and he paid our motel bill the missionary and the lady was with her in one room my wife and i in the other room and we said look at here look at here god is lord over the rain and the clouds if you believe him and god's lord over our needs and our circumstances and here we are in a motel room without no money Hallelujah. Feel, feeling so unworthy. And then the guy came up. We was hungry. Did anybody ever get hungry? Well, hungry is one step above that. Can you say amen? We were hungry. <laughs> amen. We hadn't eaten anything. And it's okay to fast when God calls you on a fast. But if you're not called on a fast, you're going to get hungry. Amen. You're going to get weak and tired. That missionary come back and said, where are you all going to eat? So I don't know. Got the missionary out, got us out, said, you come into my house. My wife is cooking for everybody. Oh, Lord, have mercy. God done, I don't know what we ate, but I know, boy, when you're hungry, it's all good. It was all good. And not only that, after we got through eating, God is such a God who's able to do exceedingly above all that we think or ask. I was happy to have a meal. They had carrot cake with cream cheese icing and coffee. Lord, have mercy. Lord, amen. All these blessings, Jesus. 
Here I am, can't even receive the Holy Ghost, and you're doing all these things. Lord, we must not be too bad. Amen? (laughs) We must not be that bad. Lord, you're so good. And I'm eating my carrot cake and drinking my coffee. And that veterinarian looked at me. Spirit-filled vet. And he said, Can I have a word with you in private on the back porch? I said, Sure. Man, I got carrot cake. I got coffee. I got a full belly. I'm not fasting, praying, seeking. But I'm getting ready to receive. And I went on the back porch with him. He said, Let me tell you a story first. He said, A lady brought in a dog the other day. Brought in a dog. She'd been to two other vets. And the dog kept getting sicker and sicker and sicker. I diagnosed the dog and I couldn't find what was wrong with him. But he kept losing weight and he wouldn't eat. And he can't live much longer like this. She said, Doctor, you're my last hope. He said, well, let me tell you something about when you get down to the last hope. He said, the things that are impossible with men is possible with God. And he said, let me take a look at him. said, I couldn't find what was wrong with him. And he said, I was in the back room, and I was praying in tongues. He said, I just didn't know how to do what to do. I just turned that over to God. And I was praying in tongues. And said, the Holy Ghost spoke to me and said, I want you to take that dog. I want you to put him in warm water. I want you to wash him real good, take him out and put him in cool water. And then I want you to dry him off. And he said, I'm a veterinarian. I went to school all these years to be a, vet, a doctor of veterinary medicine. And he said, I immediately begin sense knowledge to argue with God. Lord, that ain't going to do nothing but make him smell good. It's not going to change what's wrong with him. And he said, the Lord spoke to me and said, just obey me. Can you see? See the childlike? See the simplicity? Do you see how we all... You don't have to be a doctor of veterinary medicine to think, what's that going to do? One time they ran out of wine at a wedding. And Jesus said to the servants, bring me water. And they turned to his mother and said, what do he want with water? And she said, let's get it simple. You said it one time, William, and I appreciate it. It said one time you were looking at something complex, and he said, keep it simple, stupid. Then you say, man, hallelujah, fist bump, amen. Listen, we get foolish in sense knowledge. It makes you question Almighty God. It makes you question His Word. We can't just do the simple act of obedience by faith so that He could do the supernatural. Then you say, man. Look how reason kicks in i got to hurry, but it's hard to. Praise God. Look how reason kicks in. Lazarus is in a tomb. He comes and declares himself to be the resurrection and the life. He tells the servants that are there, roll the stone away. Reason kicks in. Logic kicks in. It ain't simple no more since knowledge is operating. And what does reason and knowledge and logic say? He's been dead for three days. He was not embalmed. I remember having a funeral just a few years ago where they, had, they did not embalm the body. 
And they did not want to delay the funeral because the body, without embalming, even without being in the desert and in that old oven-like tomb, the body begins to break down and a smell begins to emanate. And the funeral director says, we cannot delay this. we got to get this done. And I worked my schedule where we could get it done and get that body where all bodies need when the Spirit leaves them right back to the dust from whence they came because that's all it is and it's listen folks god don't need a mummified body when the trump sounds he's got your dna can you say man hallelujah hallelujah so roll a stone away by now he stinketh he said did not i say unto you if you would believe get an insight into faith right now believe is acting on the Word. Not going by your senses or what other people say or what you see, but what God has said and acting on it. Hallelujah. What was believing for them? To roll the, did He ask them to raise the dead? He said, roll the stone away. Can you roll the stone away? Yeah, but there's no point in it. On top of that, a great stench of death is going to come out. He said, did not I say unto you if you would believe, if you would obey the Word, my Word, you would see what? The glory of God. In what? In the manifestation of an answer. Right there. Praise God. Hallelujah. If you would believe you'd see the glory of God, they just dropped all the sense knowledge, walked over to that great stone and rolled it away. The moment they did the humanly possible by faith, He did the humanly impossible. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. The moment they rolled that stone away, there was no stench of death. And Jesus said, Lazarus! And someone said it's a good thing he called him by name, but everybody that ever died in all time would have come forth. He's the resurrection and he's the life. Lazarus, come forth. Hallelujah. And instead of some terrible, decaying, stinking, old, bloated body, came a man in grave clothes, hopping out of that tomb. Did not I say unto you if you would believe? Bring him water. What does he want with water? <laughs> Whatever he says, just do it. Just do it. Don't even think about it. Just do it. So this spirit-filled vet took that old dog over, emaciated dying dog, put him in hot water, gave him a good bath, put him in cold water, rinsed him off. Brought the dog back out. And told the lady, lady, I just prayed about this. Didn't tell her what he did because it wouldn't make no sense to her either. So I just prayed about this and I did what God told me to do. And I believe your dog's going to be just fine. Now you're out on a limb, right? Hey <laughs> man, dog going to die or dog going to live? <laughs> he, said, he said, now you see, acting on the Word, you can still have all these... He said, I, I, I was thinking, if that dog dies, she's going to be back down here. And the devil's going to be saying, ha, 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 ha. That wasn't God. You didn't hear the voice of God. You just did a foolish thing, got her hopes up for nothing. Amen. He said, but a week later, she came back. said, I looked at that dog, and that dog had a good coat. 
That dog was gaining weight. That dog was wagging his tail. That dog's ears were up. And that lady was rejoicing, saying, Sir, I don't know what you did to my dog. I don't know what you did, but I know. And then he told her, said, I prayed and God told me what to do and it don't make any sense. There's no point in me telling you. He said, but, but I know, I knew from that day he's going to be all right. Praise God. Listen, if I could find him when I get sick, I'd go to the vet instead of many doctors. Can you say man? Come on, take me in there and give me a hot shower. Bring me out and give me a cold shower. Pray in tongues. Hallelujah. And say, you're going to live and not die, son. Hallelujah. Praise God. Give me a spirit-filled vet. That'll obey God and use simple childlike faith. And there he's sitting telling me this story. He said, the Holy Spirit told me what to do. And he looked me in the eye and he said, son... You've been trying to get the Holy Ghost. He said, you feel unworthy. <laughs> and, and God can't give it to you because He can't get you to receive it. I said, what? <laughs> it can't be that easy. <laughs> what? You've been trying it. How did He know that? How did we meet him at a gas station? How did we end up at a motel? How did I eat carrot cake after a good meal? Why am I on the back porch and he's telling me exactly what I need? Oh, Lord, you're so much bigger than I thought you were. You know me so much better than I thought you knew me. He said, the Lord told me to tell you. Well, after he told me that dog story, I listened to him. My ears were perked up like that dog's. Can you say, man? Hallelujah. My tail began to wag. I thought God going to talk to me. Hallelujah. Amen. He said, and the Lord told me to tell you the reason you can't get the Holy Ghost is because He's given you the Holy Ghost. And the reason you're not speaking in tongues is you're waiting for Him to give it to you. And you got it when you asked for it. <sighs> Receive ye the Holy Spirit. Receive. I wasn't receiving. And He said, I want you to praise God right now. I thought, Lord, we have to whip this thing up. Somebody get, get on that Hammond organ and turn it up. Come on. <laughs> we can't just praise God spontaneously, can we? Outside a church and a Hammond organ. Amen? Somebody, see, emotion is not the same as the Holy Spirit. We can get people emotionally lifted in here, but if you've got a faith issue, you're going to have to get beyond your emotions. And I th he said, is he worthy of praising? I said, yes. What's he done for you? I said, he saved my undying soul. And me running from him, rebelling against him, pushing back at him, but he was relentless. And he, he saved me. Hallelujah. He said, then praise him for it. Just praise him for it. And when you can't find the words to praise him, let the Holy Spirit loose in you. And He'll praise Him in a heavenly language. Hallelujah. And I thought, this is way too simple. I need to stay at the altar for at least an hour. I need to do some more soul searching. Amen. I, I didn't know how to receive. It's by grace through faith. Grace through faith. It is the... Gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. 
And I said, Lord, I thank you. I love you so much. You know I love you. Look in my heart and know I love you. Thank you, Lord. You could have, I pushed back against you. My whole life, I pushed back when you called me. But you kept calling me. You were patient. You were loving. You were kind. You died for me on the cross. Hallelujah. And I thought, oh, Lord, have mercy. And carrot cake too. Can you say man? <laughs> Hallelujah. Came back to the motel room. Told my wife what had happened on the back porch. I said, honey, I just got my prayer language, my praise language on the back porch. Instead of rejoicing, that room went cold as ice. It wasn't air conditioning. It went, there's an uncanny cold when an entity is present and my wife began to choke (sighs) choke where she could not breathe there was an overwhelming sense of evil in that room and I thought oh Lord now you just gave me a parallel see the Holy Ghost is not so we can meet some Pentecostal standard of elitism it's a power gift it's a power gift. It's a power gift. It's a power gift. Come on, church. I said it's a power gift. And the end, we were going to have our first face-to-face encounter with the enemy that night. Because if we walk in this power and we release it and we pray in the Spirit and we walk in the Spirit and we praise in the Spirit, great power is released in the heavenlies. Can you say amen? And I remember that thing was choking my wife. I don't know what it was. I can't identify these. There was no gift of discerning of spirits yet working. But I know an evil spirit with evil intentions is in this room. And my first thought was run over there and get the missionary. Get somebody that's been dealing with this kind of thing. But you see, you can't always run to some evangelists. God wants you to know the power you have and the authority you have as a believer. Amen. And I begin, the gift came up from here. Not because I was trying to operate it to meet a standard of spiritual elitism because I needed God to come on the scene. And the Holy Ghost rose up in me. And begin, I begin to speak in other tongues. And then the interpretation came. I, I wasn't seeking the gift of interpretation. I didn't know to pray that you might interpret. He, it all came in that moment. And I remember saying something on this line. Thus saith the Lord God Almighty. In the name of Jesus, you have no place here. You will not prevail here. Oh, and I remember that. And I remember then stopping prophesying or interpreting the tongue because bold faith rose up on the inside of me and I said in the name of Jesus I rebuke you command you to get out of this room and leave here right now and loose my wife and it got up and left hallelujah I said all this and carrot cake too Can you say, man, what a mighty God that we serve. Can you say, man, 
Can you say amen? And God let me know. This is not to meet a standard of your Pentecostal peers. To convince them of your cleanness or your spirituality. This is to receive power. This is to receive power. And this is the authority of the mighty name of Jesus. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. I needed to learn that lesson. Because you can't always run and get somebody. You need to know what you have in Jesus. Hallelujah. And we need to come to the place that we can do what He said. As many as received Him. To them... Gave He the power to become the sons of God. Behold, I st- see it's about receiving. It's all about receiving. It's all about receiving. It's not getting God to move. It's receiving what He has promised, what He has purposed, and what He has already provided. Can you say amen? I heard a song that was way off doctrinally. And it was popular. And every time I heard it, I cringed. It was about the man that was on a stretcher and the room is full. And he can't walk, he can't sit up, but his friends take him on the roof. They tear pieces off the roof and they let him down into the presence of Jesus. And when he saw their faith and the assumption in the song, see songwriters are not necessarily theologians. And the song said this, and this is where a lot of people have missed it. When they saw their faith and having no faith of his own. I'm going to tell you something. That's not what the Bible said. Their faith included a man that wanted in the presence of God enough to allow these people to take him on the roof. When he can't even stand up. That's a lot of trust. And to get him into the presence of Jesus. Their faith was, listen. Jesus said, do you believe I'm able to do this? Jesus didn't just do something arbitrarily. He asked the person with the need to believe Him for it. Can you say amen? When He saw their faith, all of them, and I'd hear that song and I said, you know what Christians are doing? They're hearing my testimony of what God's done for me, doing for me. And with no faith of their own, if you just get Brother Bimble to pray, no faith. listen, Jesus didn't heal anybody that didn't have faith. He came to the man at the pool of Bethesda and said, Would you be made whole? Since knowledge. Since knowledge. We all got it. What did he say? How can I? I don't have a man. I don't have nobody to put me in the water. I don't have nobody to put me in the water. Jesus wasn't talking about somebody putting him in the water, beating somebody else to the water. Jesus is standing nose to nose, face to face, eye to eye, and saying, would you be healed? Would you be healed? He just wants him to receive it. i got to hurry. Which don't mean nothing, but I'll try to not stay all day. This is important. This is important. Some of you live off mama's faith. I know people... That when mama's not there to pray for them, they ain't got no faith of their own. Nothing. Zero zilch. They're dependent on someone else's faith. Someone else's relationship with God. They don't want to get right. They don't want to get in church. They don't want to get under the Word. And a crisis comes. 
And they find they don't have the faith to receive the answer. They got the faith to cry out to God. They just don't have the faith to get any benefit from it. Amen? So we live defeated, defrauded, discouraged, disillusioned lives. Because we don't have the faith to receive what He's provided and what He's promised. The song said, when they had no faith of their own, and I cringed, I thought, that man had faith. It was all their faith together. That's not what the Scriptures teach. That somebody else can just believe for you, you have absolutely no faith. Absolutely no faith. But as long as somebody else does, that's going to address that. So we don't get under the Word. We don't meditate the Word. We don't see the value of teaching. We don't see the value of preaching. There's more people coming to our website from other places than come from here. We ain't got time to sit down and listen to a sermon that we missed. We know all of that stuff. It's not what you know. It's what's reiterated to you. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the Word of God. Hallelujah. So when I was going through nervous exhaustion, I went into the old holy church of God by myself. I couldn't find me in the New Testament. I found me in the book of Psalms. I saw me in David going through it. How long, O oh Lord? I saw my impatience. I saw my, my, my wavering. So I disquieted within me. I, I said, there I am. There I am. Can God help anybody in that kind of mess and that kind of fix? And I said, if he did it for David, what did David do? And I found the Psalms that said, when my heart is overwhelmed within me, lead me to that rock that's higher than I. The Lord has been a refuge for me and a shelter for my enemies. I didn't just read it and rejoice. I said it out loud. Hallelujah. And my, listen, hearing my own soul was listening to my own words. And my, oh, there's something about reading it out loud to yourself. Can you Say amen. Hallelujah. Almost. I said to myself, what did David say? So, man, since knowledge, why art thou disquieted within me? How did you get in this depressed, doubting state? Hope thou in God, for he shall yet be the health of thy countenance. And they saw David in that broken down, doubting state. And they said, why don't you flee as a bird? They also heard him say something. The devil listened to every word me and you say. Amen. You know what he had said? Oh, that I had the wings of a dove. Then I would fly away to the wilderness and be at rest and hasten my escape from the windy storm and tempest. You know what David's enemies said to him in the Psalms when they heard him? He's, he's defeated. He's doubting. He's depressed. You know what they said? They said, why don't you flee as a bird to your mountain? Don't tell me the devil wasn't listening. They said it in another psalm to David, his enemies. Why don't you flee as a bird to your mountain? We heard that. We know the condition. Why don't you just run away instead of run to God? David by then had built his faith up. <laughs> he had recovered and got restored. You know what he said? How say you unto my soul, flee as a bird to a mountain? 
Well, you talk different when your faith returns. Can you say, man, <laughs> you get a new perspective. Say, how dare you tell me to flee? I ain't running no more. As for me, I'm going to trust in God. And God took a man out of the valley, out of sin, out of failure, and out of doubt, and brought him back and restored his soul. Can you say, man? And he died with a testimony so great. Hallelujah, that in honor of Jesus, they called him son of David. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And these be the last words of King David, the sweet psalmist of Israel. And they were not words of despair, not words of defeat. They were words of praise, honor, and glory for God. Hallelujah. Will you stand to your feet? God is gracious today. Wherever the Word of God has fallen short in your life, you need to get it back. I know you're used to me. And I know you don't hang on my words like you would an evangelist come here to preach. Or some personality. I understand that. I get it. No prophets without honor. Except where? His own country. His own countrymen. But I'm not asking you to honor me today. In that respect, I'm asking you to honor the Word of God that I'm bringing you. And honor the God who gave us His Word. And get hungry again for righteousness that you might be filled. And until we develop our faith where God cannot be accused of unfaithfulness, but glorified for His faithfulness in our lives... Abraham believed God, and what happened? It was put to his account. It was put to his account as righteousness. There wasn't nothing he could do that could get that status with God short of obedient faith. But when he did that, God said, you're right with me. It don't matter what anybody else says from that point forward. You're right with me. And when you're right with God... And it involves your faith as well as your faithfulness. Listen to me carefully. You need to get online. You need to get the Word of God in you. Because it might be your child with cancer someday that needs a miracle and you need faith to believe. A crisis may come to your home that only the supernatural can address. Only God can do. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the Word of God. We need to give the more earnest heed to the things that we have heard. Lest at any time, and this is what's happening, we, through negligence to the Word, we let them slip. The Greek word is a ship headed to port, supposed to unload its cargo. It's a nautical term. The ship is headed for that port. Destined. That's its destination. It's traveled a long way to get there. It's supposed to come in and unload the cargo. It may be food for people that are starving. Ammunition for people that need to defend themselves. It's already sent. Destined for that port. 
And people see it coming instead of hailing that ship. They ignore it. And it says this, this must not be the right place. This is the right place. People will be all out here in force waving us on. Hailing us in. And we let it pass by carelessly. We just let it pass by. Your day of visitation will come. And you can miss it. Because you're distracted or you're discouraged. Either one. It doesn't matter which one or both that the devil uses. Both of them will rob you of your predestined victory that God has sent in His Son when He sent Him to die for you and me. And it will flow by carelessly. You know what your husband told me last week? I think he would be alright. He said... He said, and he didn't know what I was going to preach. I had this last week. God didn't let me get in it. You know what he said? He said, some people that come for prayer this week will be right back for the same thing next week because they don't have any faith to receive. And he didn't know that was my outline. (laughs) And he do talk like that. Is it the truth? Is it the truth that we perpetuate defeat just in hoping maybe God might find His way clear to do something, but we're really not expecting much? Because that's been our experience humanly with sense knowledge. When faith arrives, sense knowledge has to bow to it. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Did I give you anything yet? I didn't. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. I've spent my life trying to walk by faith, live by faith, teach faith, and instill faith in others. In others. In others. But without faith, it's impossible to please Him, for they that cometh to God must believe that He is. And that He is a rewarder of them which diligently seek Him. Believing that God is a rewarder of them who diligently seek Him will motivate us to keep on keeping on. To not give up. To keep our confidence and patience. Something will have to give and it won't be God. Something will have to give. And it won't be God. Hebrews 10.35 is clear. Cast not away your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. Hallelujah. Someone said faith is a holy decision married to an unswerving determination. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's make a holy decision here today. Because by faith you are saved through grace. By faith you are healed through grace. By faith you are delivered through grace. Grace is the underpinning of all faith. Because the only approach to God is the throne of grace. To obtain mercy and grace. To help in the time of any need. And thank God His grace is sufficient. (laughs) Hallelujah. Can you say amen today? How many want receiving faith? We're not done with this. We just scratched the surface and we're way over time. How many believe this is time well spent? This is an important message that we can't just cut it off. Because somebody in here is facing something that is so crucial. 
that God wants to just elevate your faith. How say you unto my soul, flee unto your mountain. Hallelujah. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and are safe. Some trust in horses. David got his faith back. Some in chariots. But we will trust in the name of the Lord our God. Lord, thou hast been a shield for me, my glory, and the lifter of my head. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. From the depths of despair and defeat to a place of victory and total restoration, so is the life of David, King and Psalmist of Israel. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's give Him praise today. Just lift your hands for a holy moment and give Him praise in this room. Hallelujah.